0: Hey, everybody, it's Dan Dan, and welcome to a podcast where we are going to dive into some of these things people think of as spiritual principles. They're just ideas that run through the steps and the traditions and concepts that are essential, that are necessary, that aren't part of us normally. That means essential. I don't make it. I don't necessarily have it. I've got to go get it somewhere that are essential to successful long term sobriety. And more importantly, maybe than even that, is a happy and joyful life. And for the first step, you'll find it's honesty. A lot of people talk about honesty. You got to be, got to get honest with yourself. Got to get honest with everybody. Got to be so honest that, you know, old George Washington would think that you're honest, kind of honest. And I'm not sure that when I got to AA, I had any idea what they were talking about. When, When I got to AA, my profession was as a lobbyist. I didn't know a whole lot about honesty. I knew how to change words around and perhaps deceive people. And maybe that was dishonest, but I didn't think so because then you could argue back that it was honest to the client, it was honest to the company I was working with, not necessarily with the other person. So how do we sort that out? The other idea behind honesty that was a challenge for me is it's like an instinct, a survival instinct. I stuff flies out of my face. That's dishonest, like, automatically, without any thought or effort on my part. I don't even intend to deceive somebody, but I do anyway. I just do it. It's a survival thing, and I've got to overcome or wrangle in this instinct gone awry, the self-preservation of what, well, dishonesty, right? The intention to deceive. So, in our discussion today, what we're going to do is operate with this definition. Honesty is a state of mind that is devoid of the intent to be deceitful, that is it it absolutely clean of the intention to deceive. And it's important that we have that definition. So let's talk a little bit about what honesty actually is. One thing honesty is not is the truth, though they do somehow overlap with each other. Truth is, is a matter of a factual basis. Truth is something that many, many people will agree upon. Truth is not a principle, and everybody may not agree on something to be, well, true. But honesty is another matter, and if you don't intend to deceive, we can all agree of, on that state of mind or that approach to things. In truth, you can say something that is absolutely wrong and have no intention of deceiving anybody. And when you discover that you were wrong, you can change and still have the truth. Even though you previously believed one way to be true, you can now believe another way to be true. And there's nothing dishonest or intending to deceive, there's nothing deceitful in any of that. Now, when I know something's not true, but I want you to believe it anyway. That's dishonesty. And honesty is to believe something is true, right? You, you believe what you're saying. You think that it's factually correct, or you're trying to express something in the right way, and you'd have no desire, no intention, no plan to deceive another person. Now, I don't know about you, but this alcoholic spent a lot of time modeling, practicing, demonstrating, thinking of, concocting, contriving. Ways to be deceitful. I wanted the world to see me one way, and I wanted to be able to live another way. And some people call it the double life. but I think for a lot of us, it's probably a triple or quadruple life because I'm one way to my spouse, I'm another way at work, I'm another way to my pals, I'm another way at a business function, <laughs> you know, it just goes on and on and on. And this chameleon, this character called me, would be different to the bank teller and different to the person at the at the store. Consequently, this concept of rigorous honesty was very difficult to come by. So when we step into our literature, we run into something right off the bat in how it works. And it says that this this program demands, demands. And people say, our steps are suggestions. But this thing is not that. If you want success And Alcoholics Anonymous, if you want these 12 steps to work in your life and make the changes they promise to make, if you want the benefits of great relationships and a sound mind, this elusive state called peace of mind, you must, it demands that you attain this thing called rigorous honesty. And rigorous just means a focused and directed effort, a focused and directed effort to not deceive other people a focused and directed effort to not be deceitful to other people. And wow, you know, stuff just flies out of my face sometimes. And we're going to talk about how to deal with it when that happens. When you get into the 12 steps and 12 traditions, you're not going to find a lot on the idea of honesty in step one, even though this spiritual idea, the spiritual principle is commonly attached to step one. And the reason why it's commonly attached to step one is because we've got to get honest with ourselves first. So this idea of not deceiving really starts with me. And and now we got a problem. Our big book later on in our 12 and 12, we'll talk about this other term, this evil demon called rationalization. And that's me deceiving, well, me, and ultimately other people. So how do I get honest with myself? well, When it comes to my story and how I discovered that I'm an alcoholic addict, I'm a holic of everything. Like I'm a holic of chocolate and smoothies these days and walking and throwing the ball for my dog. You know, I do everything in excess. I don't know a whole lot about this moderation thing. And in in that, I've got to find a way to know that about myself in order to change that about myself, in order to leverage the spiritual tools and a faith that works to acquire this change. And I don't have to believe anything about spiritual stuff or God or none of that to do this. But the first one, even so the first one, the first thing I wanna do is just accept this idea, which means I'm gonna lean into it and just be this thing and then start doing something about it. Then I am an alcoholic. Then I am an alcoholic. Some people call this step zero out there in the world, right, we're we're always trying to modify the steps to make them be what we think they ought to be. So sometimes people call it step zero, this time right before you get into AA where you go, oh my gosh, my life is a mess. And this is the honesty that is so important. Why is honesty important? Well, trust is the foundation of every single thing that we want to achieve in Alcoholics Anonymous. Trust. We want to be able to trust ourselves to not drink. We want to be able to have trust from others to get our jobs back, to be financially responsible, to be a good parent, to not injure them through the activity of alcoholism. We want to rebuild this trust and the rebuilding of that trust starts right here with us. I've got to find a way to be able to keep the commitments I make to myself. The commitments I make to myself are the very red flags when I'm not keeping them and the green flags when I am keeping them that I use as my director of sobriety. What is the next right thing to do? How am I keeping the commitments I make to myself? And this concept of rigorous honesty, a focused and directed effort to not deceive myself is vital. I've been deceiving myself for a long time while I drank, telling myself it helps me sleep, I drive better, I have better sex, I do better things, I'm a nicer person, I get along better, I can dance, I can talk, I can sing, I can do this, I can do that, and the only thing I can't do is not drink. So it's like I get to do everything, but not drink, and that seems to be okay for a while. Then for a lot of us, that worked out for a while. Then there's this other part of it, that my liver hurts, and my body hurts, and I'm sick a lot, and I'm having to hide this from people. And I'm starting to hide liquor around the house or just conceal how much I drink. Maybe I'm one of those people that stayed sober a lot of the time, but once I started drinking, I simply can't stop. And people would say, oh, you look like you've had too much to drink tonight. I'd be like, no, no, I've only had four or five drinks when the answer is really like 15, something like that. And we do this and we build this momentum of rationalization, of trying to take crazy behavior and make sure no one knows about it by describing it as relatively normal behavior. Two revelations in that. One of them is that we are being honest with ourselves. Those feelings of insecurity, those threats to your well-being, those violations of the instinct, the self-preservation, have you wanting to deceive other people so you know, I know, I knew that I was doing the wrong thing. And the second is I usually describe myself in a way I want to be. I usually talk about it in terms of how I wish I was. And, and I'll just say, oh, I only had four or five drinks. And maybe that's how many I wish I had, for instance. But I know it's not true. I know it's not true. And I try to live this second one, that this person that I'm not, as opposed to being honest about this person who I am. And the first step, the honesty, the, the idea that I'm an alcoholic addict, that I've got to come to this conclusion that I am, in fact, that person that deceives himself and tries to put out to this world something different than who I really am. And in doing so, I get a power. There's so much power in honesty. And that power starts at that moment. It's an instant thing for all of us. All of us have like a turning point moment. Maybe you were sitting in a a jail somewhere or something just happened in a relationship or you've just come to this conclusion sitting around somewhere who knows but you had a turning point moment where you said i've got to do something about this for some of us it's after court mandated aa meetings some of us in a treatment center who knows who knows so why do this thing honestly why why learn how to be rigorously honest with myself well our book tells us in a couple of places why it's important. And it doesn't occur so much in step one, other than we do understand that we must be honest about the fact that we are alcoholic. In Bill's story, when we get into our book, on page 13, it says belief in the power of God plus enough willingness and and willingness and honesty, they they go hand in hand, right? If I'm unable to make an agreement with myself and I'm going to not rationalize or deceive myself, then I've got a problem and humility, knowing exactly who and what I am. So what I got to do is make an agreement with myself that I'm going to be real, rigorously honest with myself about who and what I am, right? Willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain a new order of things, a new way of living is what he's saying here, were the essential requirements of sobriety. It's that kind of important. So honesty, how do we do it? What is next if we are to be honest? So there's a couple of different things about how rigorous honesty must be devoid of all motives to deceive, right? And I found this article in one of the intergroup newsletters that I thought you guys might like. So we'll just go through this real quick and I think you'll like it. It says, is there a difference between being honest and being rigorously honest? If not, Why the word rigorous, unless to imply that honesty comes in degrees? In AA's basic text, Alcoholics Anonymous, or the big book, being honest is mentioned three times in the first paragraph of chapter five. How it works. Three times, because it's really, really important. The foundation of being able to take just one thing and trust yourself about it is the place you can build this whole thing on. It's literally the cornerstone of success. He goes on and says, I know that when I first was faced with the challenge of being honest, I wasn't against being honest and I was willing to give it my best shot. Could I attain perfect honesty? I think not, right? What What's perfect anyway? Do we know? Do we know when we when we look at things as just one single moment in time and one single circumstance, we deceive ourselves. We'll get to that another day, but it's important to remember that. I could, however, rein in my lying about things that mattered, but that still left me with what I felt was a half-measures approach, which did not sit well with me. So those of us that think that what's commonly called cash register honesty or not lying to our spouse, we think that's enough. This guy, Rick, is suggesting that's a half-measured approach, and I I think that's right. It's really got to get deeper. It's got to be much more accountable than that. If I was willing to be dishonest about anything, I was leaving myself open to rationalization and still I was conflicted. If I could lie once, wouldn't that be like taking just one drink? Whew, that's a tough one to think about, isn't it? There'll come a time in sobriety where a lie leaves your face and you go, whoa, and you want to grab it back. So let me real quickly give you some phrases that will help. I I do this to this day. And instead of going, oh, my gosh, I just lied straight to your face because I'm an alcoholic and I'm in recovery and I really need to work on my honesty and I live a spiritual program. So now I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, instead of going through all that freaking junk, just say, hey, I, I, that's not what I meant to say. And then tell them the correct thing, right? They just say, I, let me change that and then tell them the correct thing. Now, now wait a second, that was wrong. This is the right thing. And then tell them the correct thing. You don't have to self-deprecate or explain yourself or any of that stuff. Sometimes we throw ourselves on the sword for no reason at all because we feel bad and we know it was wrong. However, we can violate the trust of somebody else if we can't competently make the correction. So it's really important. Those free phrases. I didn't mean to say it like that. Here's the right thing. Hey, that's not correct. Here is the right thing. Let me get that right or that wasn't right. Here is the right thing. Those are three ways that you can just on the fly and no one will care and people just go, okay, and they'll just blow right on by it. Anyway, he goes on. He says, I was leaving myself open to rationalization and still I was conflicted. I could lie once. Wouldn't that be like taking just one drink? The second lie comes easier. It does, right? Was I dishonest if I embellished the size of a fish that I caught last weekend All these questions ran through my mind and many more before I came upon an approach that worked for me. It all seemed to rest upon what my motives were. So motives, you know, sometimes you can't even get behind that. What's my motive? What am I trying to achieve? What is the goal I'm after? Am I trying to feel better, look better, be better than I really am? Do I want to get out from under some trouble? Am I trying to not have an uncomfortable feeling, even if it's irrational and unnecessary? Sometimes I'd lie just to do it, I guess, you know? And it really boiled down to wanting to be seen in a particular way or avoid some uncomfortable feeling. So he goes on. I was attending a discussion meeting one evening, and the topic was rigorous honesty. Many of these questions were discussed without resolution because it's a difficult thing to answer until a gentleman defined the word honesty to mean Communication devoid of all motives, desires, outcomes that are deceitful, or to deceive. That meaning of the word gave me the latitude to practice that principle in the spirit that I believe the founders of AA would approve of. If you read the big book in the 12 and 12, you will find some overriding principles concerning these dilemmas. One that comes to mind immediately is that we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of others. And that's step nine and 12. I would add my own self-righteousness. If the definition of honesty is communication devoid of all motives to deceive, it leaves me with room to be kind during those innocent moments when my wife returns from the hairdresser and asks me if I like her new hairdo. All right, so rigorous honesty is with ourselves. It's with ourselves. It's not with the world. Some kindness might be necessary. And that's not to say niceness, but certainly tact and a consideration about how a person is going to receive you. And then there will be other times where that niceness plays a role because it's nice to be nice. And it's usually on opinion pieces like this. You're not lying to somebody when you don't share your opinion with them, when they've asked it. Rhetorically, when they're just seeking approval for their own selves, they just want to know they are okay, and all you want to do is somehow express, indeed, you are okay. Not your opinion of stuff, right? Not your opinion of stuff. And I, you know, the old story about, hey, honey, does my hair look good? And that's like the oldest thing in the book. That's like, you know, do I look fat in these pants? Kind of a thing. So he says returns from the hairdresser and asks me if I like her new hairdo. I always like her new hairdo. That's the answer, right? I always do. I always do. I've assumed this before she ever comes home. She comes home with a shaved head. I'm going to challenge my thinking and see if I can find a way to like a shaved head. I guess that's what he's saying. The being kind clause, the being kind clause, the, the space in our 12 steps and 12 traditions where it suggests kindness The being kind clause trumps the rigorous clause. That if it's not honesty with myself, the kindness is what is called for. But with myself, not so much. And I am not trying to deceive anyone in doing this. What are hairdos supposed to look like anyway? Bingo. If it's your opinion, there's no need to share it. After all, it is yours. It's the lowest possible form of intelligence and it is yours, you might want to keep it that way. Honesty without sensitivity is brutality, he suggests here. And that's probably not always true. Sometimes it's just coming out and people receive it differently. I don't control how people receive what I'm saying, but that doesn't inhibit me or stop me or prevent me or say I don't have to or don't say there's no benefit from being considerate of how they might receive something. Though I certainly don't control that. There is one area where I must be rigorously honest, and that is with myself. I must not let overriding principles, things that I think are better than honesty, things that I think are like getting paid a certain amount of money, deceitful at work, keeping a job where I've not done the work, going to court and trying to deal with a legal problem. Hmm. Rigorously, that is with myself. I must not let overriding principles get stretched out or perverted, rationalized out of proportions to the degree that I start to rationalize and become deceptive again. The trust, so important to recovery. It doesn't mention this a lot in our literature. Ultimately, our goal, what we're going to get out of this, the most satisfying thing in my my recovery today and being a recovered alcoholic is this. I feel a sense of obligation to earn the trust of other people. And in doing so, I build this trust in myself. And that keep, when people say it keeps getting better, I often picture that and wonder, isn't that exactly what they mean? Then My relationships are better. My skills are better. I get better at life and life is getting better for me. Hmm. It's easy if we compromise, but we may never get it back if we do. Let's go over that again. The trust and respect we gain from who? From ourselves and other people. Dignity, self-respect is built around honesty, no intention to deceive. The trust and respect we gain when we follow these principles do not come easy. And if we compromise it, we may never get it back. So when you violate trust with somebody, particularly after You're in recovery and have a recovered framework of thinking. When we have these lapses of honesty, people, it's much, geez, it just ruins relationships. It's so, so vital that we find a way, find a foundation. And that way is the steps of 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. That way is a dependence on God. That way is going through steps four through nine to straighten out problems. That way is the spot check inventory in step 10 and the end of the day inventory and occasional full-on inventory. And if you really got something bothering you, find a workshop or a retreat or something every once in a while and work through these things. So you don't have that desire to deceive. So you don't have that rationalization popping up in your mind saying, that's just a drink, no one will know, right? That, That whole thing right there. Let's, re- let's just start that back again, because this paragraph really ties this thing up, and then we'll close it out. The trust and respect we gain when we follow these principles do not come easy, and if we compromise it, if we decide to let it go, we may never get it back from these other people or ourselves. Step nine also makes exceptions where full disclosure would cause actual harm. When in doubt, I can enlist the help of a trusted advisor, and I can be Rigorously honest about myself with them. Rigorously honest with them. I can live in the spirit of these principles and still have honest integrity. So, integrity is another great word. It doesn't mean honesty. Think of integrity like the weaving of a fabric. Integrity is how things are held together. And the implication at the end of this article by Rick H is that integrity, that honesty is the fabric by which. We stay sober. It's the very cornerstone of it all. So why is it important when we get into AA here and decide, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be rigorously honest, right? I'm going to be rigorously honest. Why is that important? Because without it, I don't know who and what I really am. I have no way of becoming this sober guy that I want to become. I end up doing things that I wish I hadn't done. I end up talking to people in a way I wish I wasn't talking to them. I present myself to the world in a way that I'm not. And that willingness, honesty, and humility and how they come together, that I make an agreement with myself, willingness to not deceive other people, honesty, because I know who and what I really am, humility, is such a powerful trio of ideas. If you can just take that one thing and begin to practice that, put it in your prayers, talk about it in your meetings, you will find that honesty, rigorous honesty with yourself, kind, considerate, compassionate honesty with others comes about much easier. And in time, what I've discovered is it becomes a a tool. There's times where it's uncomfortable, but it's a tool that gets me not out of situations into a, a falsehood or disillusionment or some fake thing, It gets me out of situations on solid ground where if I've made a mistake, the amend has a lot of meaning. And that's why honesty is so, so important. It ends by saying there's this other thing out there and it goes right with our promises. And this is where it ties into step one best. It says in our promises and the nine step promises, if we are painstaking about this phase of our recovery, So think about this. If we are painstakingly honest about ourselves at all times, we might well be amazed of what comes about in skill of willingness and humility, willingness, honesty, and humility of those skills before we are halfway through. The first step, I'm powerless over alcohol. I mean, you can't quit drinking when you get started, or you think about drinking and drink all the time, and you just can't seem to live without it and my life is unmanageable. I simply do not keep the commitments that I make to myself and other people. I cannot make myself or manage in life. Powerless over alcohol, my life has become unmanageable. If I can be honest about that, I have the cornerstone that I can build a recovered life out of. So talk about it today. How has the term rigorous honesty been a struggle for you? What has it been in your life that you have the worst time being honest about? Have there been things in discussions with your sponsor or as you read the literature that you go, bam, and you get catapulted into the fourth dimension about yourself? Things that you never had words for, things you couldn't describe, so you just lied. Is there something in your life that you wouldn't want anybody to know? That fifth step contains a lot of stuff about honesty. The fifth step Holy moly, there's a lot of stuff in there. And the seventh step also. In step seven, it says, with a proper display of honesty and morality, we stand a better chance of getting what we really want, which is trust in others and a faith that works. All these things make a difference. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials to recovery. It says that in the appendix on spiritual experience. It's so, so important. Talk about it. How is becoming rigorously honest with yourself led to your ability to live cleanly, clearly, and with a concise way of communicating honestly with others. I hope you have a great discussion.